Welcome to the podcast from Plow to Plate with founder and farmer Sam Lucy, who alongside his wife Brooke operate Bluebird Grain Farms in the Methow Valley in north central Washington state, growing, processing, and marketing organic grains. All right, so here we are. Sam, how's it going? Well, we're in springtime. It's I coming know. here. Yeah. It's coming on here. You get some clear days, and boy, the sun's really getting high, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I know. I'm looking forward to the growing season. I'm sure you've got more on your uh, uh, planting and getting ready plate than I do. But, you know, we're getting ready to do another component here, regenerative organic growing of your grains. I remembered a little something that I picked up when I was a kid that really struck me. And they had uncovered these wheat grains in the Egyptian pyramids, mm-hmm. and they said they were still viable. Kind of blew my mind that these seeds could remain alive for a thousand years or more. That just astonished me as a little kid. Still does, for that matter. Yeah, no, it's true. And I can explain why. Okay. Well, that's what we're going to do. We're going to get into seed. And I know you grow several different uh, varieties of grain, but maybe let's start here. How do you go about selecting, finding this seed? That's a good starting point here. So predominantly, we grow five kinds of grain. The two I'm going to focus on go back to your tombs, the einkorn and the ammer. Einkorn is a monocot. It's the oldest known wheat to be planted by man. Its origin is southeast Turkey, uh, and it predates emmer by a few hundred years. Okay. But einkorn can be traced back a good 10,000 years. Emmer, which is a dicot, meaning two kernels in the husk, okay. as opposed to one, it is a child of einkorn. Einkorn's 14 chromosomes, emmer's 28 very basic grains. They are the original wheats. They have not been hybridized Mm -hmm. in any way, shape, or form. They would be considered land race, Mm -hmm. which is a term for swine, but it's a newer term being used for grain, meaning they, they evolved in a certain region and have not been changed genetically. So what the seed you have is true to those originals. It is true. There's a, a lot of different strains of einkorn and emmer. Mm. And uh, for us, we started with the emmer. I was the first to grow emmer seed stock in this country that I know of mm. in 100 years. Wow. And I did it for another company originally is how I got into the emmer. And these are public varieties. That's These are not private varieties. And that I'll get into in a little bit. But I was able to grow it out for a couple of years, and that gave us the idea really to start Bluebird Grain Farms because I fell in love with this grain, growing it, and then we learned more about its culinary aspects and the unavailability of it predominantly on the domestic market. We had been thinking about having our own mill and offering local flour, and, and I had been growing organic grains for a few years prior to that, you know, just to sell to different people and not a finished product. Yeah. So the emmer is really what kicked off bluebird grains. And I was able to get some seed stock out of Montana. Montana State University had this strain of emmer. The thing with the emmer is it was a little easy. It was definitely easier to find the seed. And so we started with 10 acres up in Mazama, 
and out of that 10 acres, we saved back what we felt was a little of the bigger seed. And the next year we grew 30 acres. The next year we went to about 60. We were up to growing at least 100 acres of emmer for a number of years. About five years after starting the emmerns, we had to get the machinery to process it. Uh, yeah, I'd say at the most five years later, we learned of the other hulled grain, einkorn. And einkorn's a whole different creature. Much harder to find the, the seed. We got some seed out of Germany at one point. Ultimately, our seed stock came out of Canada. And seed stock is a very loose term because it was pretty trashy. Huh. And then we spent the next three years growing it out and trying to clean up this stock that had probably three or four different varieties of einkorn in it. We kind of learned what we thought was the best looking and milling quality, and it ended up being the black heads, which the first time I grew it, (laughs) I remember we'd, we'd finished the irrigation, we were letting it cure, and I, I don't know, we'd gone on vacation or something crazy like that, and... I came back, and I remember driving up to the first field we had, and I see that the, <laughs> the, the grain is black, and I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> what has happened now? You know, did I get some sort of smut? Or, yeah, yeah, I've yeah. heard of these diseases that uh-huh. grain gets. That Well, I, I didn't realize that the purple and black is actually uh, the color. A lot of the old grains, or some of the old grains, there's a purple barley. Anyway... Uh. Those blacker heads we started selecting out because they had the bigger kernels, the golden kernels inside. And But it was a good three years before we cleaned up a, a seed stock we felt was good enough or consistent enough to plant and get yeah. a consistent grain and start offering uh, for sale. Yeah, you really need to kind of take the long <laughs> look at these. I mean, you grow them out, you're trying to clean up the seed stock, but it takes a whole season to get the next batch yeah, to, to refine totally. even more. I mean, you can't just work year-round. It's like, okay, we got to get this harvest in, work on that one. We're getting closer, honey. You know, let's do it again. And So, so it takes about three years to zero in on a, on a real supply. Um, well, it did with the einkorn. The emmer was much, much cleaner to start with. Okay. Um, and you have to have the equipment to do it. So essentially, we're not seeds people in the sense. I don't have a seeds license. Mm-hmm. But for our own use, we've tried to select out through our cleaning equipment. And so we do not de-hull them as we would for food. If we're going to serve you uh, einkorn berries or grind that einkorn into flour, we have to de-hull, get the grain out. Planting, we were advised, plant the stuff in the hull. And I thought, gosh, It'll plant a lot easier as a naked grain, just like modern wheat. Yeah. You know, it's naked and shiny. It'll run through the drill tubes. And so what we did is not hull it, but grade it on the density table where your heavier grain climbs to the top of the table. That's our farmer way of sort of mm-hmm. over time selecting out and keep taking that high cut. So the emmer has a nice long on on it, but we're able to knock it off easily through that gentle cleaning process so that we can then plant it. Yeah. The einkorn, much more stubborn. It has a, a spike on each uh, hull. The, that, that's what you call the on. The on, okay. yeah. But it's got a spike right on the tip, and uh-huh. boy, it's hard to get that spike off. Issue being, 
when we put it in the grain box or the seed box or the grain drill, it's got to flow down through the tubes into mm-hmm. the discs and play in a nice even row. That stuff will hang up, and it is not meant to be planted <laughs> through modern equipment. Yeah. <laughs> so we have to adjust our ratio of how heavy we can actually plant, and we can't plant it as heavy as we'd like just because if that much seed is trying to flow through the tubes, yeah. it's just a, it's driven me nuts at times. So you've made the decision. You keep the on through the planting process. We yeah. don't try to keep the on. We're just trying to keep the hull <laughs> on the grain, yeah. but we can't get the on completely off the einkorn. You'd like to break it off a little bit. We'd like to break it off so we had just a shiny hull yeah. with the kernel inside. Well, it's a complete nutrient pack. As soon as the hull dampens, the hull has a ton of nutrients in it, and that seed shoots up. And we have road, meaning from planting, when I actually drill the field, I've seen emmer and einkorn both come up within five days, come up in little stubs in those nice, neat little rows. So now I know uh, the power of the hulls. Yeah. And then back to your original point about in the tombs, well... When these are harvested correctly, that's a that's a time capsule. Yeah. That's a time capsule. Exactly. Nothing is going to mess with that thing if it's put away right. And that's why it's been around for 10,000 years, and uh, we're just sort of rediscovering this. Yeah. It really is amazing, isn't it? It's the power of seed is just you, you can't overestimate it. And we feel it's very important to continue to propagate public seed stock as opposed to private seed. Mm-hmm. Seed has become very privatized. Yeah, Farmers, in the worst case scenario, can't even keep their own seed, but they certainly can't grow it out and sell it. Hmm. And they can't grow it out and even give it to another farmer to plant. Um, different laws with the PVP is what it's called, the Private Variety Protection Act. Hmm. So your big seed companies love this sort of thing because that's another way of owning the farmer. So we're very interested in the opposite, where we feel it's important to keep these old strains or, or any public strain alive. And so we clean up those seeds and keep them going. Uh, if we're not planting wheat that year, one of our contract growers, I'll clean the seed stock up, give it to him, because mm-hmm. I can, right, public, and they'll grow it out. So I'm sort of becoming more of a seedsman, I guess. <laughs> it sounds it sounds to me like you are, yes, but I, I understand there's some technical and legal issues that mean maybe you're not. But. Well, yeah, but we kind of are, and we're we're dealing with stuff that nobody wants. So. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I have to say that the fact that you're not uh, legally recognized as a seedsman means that you're doing it for the love and maybe not the money. I think it's pretty cool. Well, we, we do. We don't actually don't sell seed, but we sell our finished grains, which right. come from the seed, which, which sprout because mm-hmm. they're whole grains. So if you wanted to sprout your emmer instead of eat it, uh-huh. you can go put it in your garden and it'll sprout. Okay, so now we've got a little bit of a time span between harvesting and then when you replant, when you plant again, the seed. What, what goes on? Do you cure it somehow? Is that part of the deal? And then when do you plant? <clears throat> yeah. We clean it just prior to planting. So we've learned einkorn and emmer come up very quickly, as I mentioned, mm-hmm. but they grow very differently. Mm-hmm. The emmer comes up and is off to the races. You know, once it rows, it'll hit two-leaf stage in another week, three-leaf stage, and then and it's off and going. 
the einkorn comes up, gets two or three inches high, and I swear it doesn't grow for a month. Hmm. That's a completely different habit. Completely different habit. It's so close to being a grass. It is basically a wild grass. I realized over time what it's doing is all its energy is going into its roots. Its energy is not going up. It's going down. And so that makes it not as good of a competitor for weeds, say, than the emmer. The emmer will flow through the grain tubes easily. I can plant it 150 pounds an acre easily. The einkorn, if I get much over 80, it starts plugging up the tubes, and you'll see a very frustrated Farmer Sam out there. If you see him out of his tractor when he's planting, that means he's not getting any planting. (laughs) Something's plugged up. (laughs) Yeah, or he's on his hands and knees underneath the grain drill. You know, these grains have really sort of developed uh, uh, personalities as I talk to you, you know, and it seems like Emmer is kind of the more civilized cousin of of the Yeah, it's a few hundred years newer. Yeah. Remember, it's only like 9,500 years old. Yeah, yeah. but it it makes them kind of, in a way, great partners to be growing both because they, like you said, they have these different growth habits, and one may just have a banner year with certain conditions. The other one, maybe that's not great for it. So I'm imagining that it, it gives them a certain resiliency as they... As they, I talk about them like they're they're beings. I really feel like they are. That just seems resilient to me. Yeah, you know, that's a good point, Don. It is stronger for the long haul. Yeah. And so back to the planting, we plant them the same depth. The einkorn has a little longer growing season, meaning most grains, most wheat. It's 60 days from when it's out of the ground till it's finished growing. Huh. It's a quick cycle. Yeah. The einkorn, I've noticed takes a little, it might be more like 80 days before it's really, all the heads are filled, Uh you know, I've gotten to their full maturity. And so we've gone to planting it as early as we can, which up here means, uh, you know, late April. Yeah. I've planted grain in this valley the end of March. I've planted grain in this valley as late as the middle of June. Whoa. And we've gotten crops both times. In fact, the later planted crops were the heavier crops. I'll be darned. Huh. But then you're pushing your luck on the other end. If you're harvesting after deer season starts, you're you're kinda <laughs> you're asking a real lot from Mother Nature. We've pulled it off, but it's not something I would want to count on. So we plant the einkorn generally a little ahead of the ammer. Okay, that was gonna be my next question. Yeah. Not and at the same time, but Einkorn first. It's, it's it, as as Dorothy Evans, a, a longtime farmer in the valley, says. It's kind of when you get around to it is yeah. when you plant. But the reason to delay planting, yeah. And I've I've played it all ways, as I just said, from early to late. If you delay planting, you can wait for the soil to warm up enough mm-hmm. so you get a few flushes of weeds prior to planting, which you can then take out with cultivation. Oh, yeah. To have a cleaner seed bed. So my feeling has always been you want to go early mm-hmm. before the weeds start. And really the way that stage is set is what kind of condition you get the field in mm-hmm. the fall before. Mm-hmm. And essentially, you're just trying to have a smooth seed bed. The limiting factor for me is I don't want to get on that field too early mm-hmm. and cause compaction. Right. Because we've learned that compaction is mm-hmm. something that's a hard thing to rectify sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, And with our no-till drill, if I can get in and just do a light harrowing, I can drill that seed right in. If we haven't gotten things broken up and smoothed out the way we like the fall before for weather or Mm -hmm. for whatever, 
uh, you know, we sometimes we have to do a fair about f- more field work. That puts you into the window where the weeds are starting to come up. Mm-hmm. And so then you might be wiser to wait till middle or late May. Yeah. It seems like a fairly forgiving window, but it's a moving window depending mm. on this and that. But fortunately, you know, 60, 70 days, you're probably going to get that. You're just going to have to kind of roll the dice. Yeah. Like, where is that 60 <laughs> or 70 days going to fall on the calendar? There's a lot of uh, dice rolling. And, uh, you know, some years you're you're like, gosh, I could have harvested all the way through October. And the other years you're, boy, I wish we had gotten done by the end of August. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> so, um but we put it in, and we, we rely on the moisture in the soil to bring the seed up. We do not water these plants up because if you baby them early with water, their roots are not going to develop, even the einkorn. Oh, yeah. And then if you do get some adverse heat early, mm-hmm. the plants are young, they're gonna, you can really knock your crop back. Mm-hmm. Um, once we feel they're strong enough and up enough to start watering— as we're getting into June and into summer, the emmer particularly, if it starts to head out and you keep watering it, it'll often lodge. It, the head's too heavy for it. So we have to fill that soil profile with water a little earlier before it actually starts to head. And then we don't water it anymore. The einkorn doesn't really jump up until about July. <laughs> Picture the, the emmer is three feet tall and the einkorn's still maybe a foot. Then all of a sudden, July comes and the einkorn just shoots up. Hmm. And by the end of July, it's outgrown the emmer. It's four feet tall. This just kind of surprises me that these two related grains, I see them as kind of cousins, have such distinctively different personalities and growth habits and everything. They're very different. They're a different grain. Yeah. Uh, The the einkorn's a very soft, petite kernel. Mm -hmm. And the emmer, as you know, is as hard as birdshot. Yeah. And it's a dark. So the emmer is the parent, and then the einkorn is more like your soft or your soft wheats, but it's smaller, and the flowers much lighter, mm-hmm. and the emmer flowers very dense. But uh, usually we're harvesting the emmer first because it cures. So once they're done growing, you're into July now. Okay. And any water we're giving it. We'll maybe water into late July on the einkorn. Generally, it's a good month of curing time, depending on the weather. Eastern Washington is known for being able to grow high-quality fruits and grains because of that intense sun in you mm-hmm. know late July, August. So if you get the heat units, you can cure out a crop in a, a month. Okay. Curing out mean, I mean, I know well, your so, field's golden up and... Right, so the kernels have to go from soft dough to hard dough to actually hard. Okay. The kernels harden. Yeah, that needs to happen in the field, on the plant. That's how we do it. Okay. Yep. There's another way of doing it? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) One you don't want to know about. Uh, It's how a lot of grains are cured anymore, unfortunately, is with Roundup. Oh. Yeah. Um, Windrowing. If you, if you swath it and lay it in a windrow, which we'll do sometimes, yeah. if you have the right weather, that'll speed up the, the curing of it a little bit. But what's this thing with Roundup? That sounds weird. Um, they spray down. They shut the plants down with Roundup. That's how oh. the majority of the wheat is cured in the Midwest and up in Canada. Okay, now. and then— okay. They used to windrow it. Uh-huh. 
but Jeez. now they spray it down, and that leads into a whole nother oh, bunch yeah. of issues. Oh, yeah. Uh, we'll get in maybe when we do a nutrition episode. Well, but, or I think gluten. We, gluten episode, actually. Oh, really? Okay. Well, we've made reference to it, but truthfully, I'm so much more interested, and I think all of our listeners are in the organic method. So let's just yeah. be glad that we're, that's not happening. So that brings us to harvest. Yeah. And uh, how do I know when it's time to harvest? Well, I feel it. I go out and I can rub the, (laughs) I've done it enough. But basically, if you put a crop up at 10% moisture or less and it is stored dry correctly, it it lasts indefinitely. Back to my initial amazement at indefinitely, meaning thousands of years. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that we want our crops sitting around that long. We wouldn't probably pay the bills <laughs> very no. fast. But, the, but. Fa- the fact that these little guys have that ability, that it's designed into them, is, is pretty remarkable. So that little spike on the einkorn, that yeah. was its way of planting itself in nature. Picture it laying on the ground, and between the wind and the weather, it's kind of working its way down into the ground to that perfect depth. Right? Yeah. That's why that spike will not come off. It doesn't need us to plant it. It was why it was known as the peasant grain. Yeah. They would always spread einkorn and emmer. They knew it was a nutritious free food, if you will. Mm -hmm. But when it comes time to harvest, those awns, they want to get you. Mm -hmm. And I learned that by walking out in my field, the emmer field, one of the first times, and it felt like a bunch of pin cushions being thrown at my (laughs) Levi's. And is this propagation? Is it defense? Yeah. You know, what's going on out here? So uh, modern wheat greeters will say, oh, yeah, these crops are inferior. They don't hold up to disease. They don't hold up to drought. Uh, Our experience has been the opposite. I was going to say, it sounds to me like, seems like they're more adapted to survive. It's tough stuff to be around for 10,000 years. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> if if we had enough time, we could uh, take a look in 10,000 years and see how modern uh, grain varieties are faring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the ground that it's grown on. Well, we're going we're gonna to continue to keep these seed stocks going. It's important. It's an honor. And, uh, you know, I think that the independence of the farmer is um, something we need to get back to that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, the independence of the farmer, too, in a way, is following suit of the independence of these grains. I mean, I talk about them like they have personalities, very independent personalities. So it kind of takes a guy like you. <laughs> Maybe to we're well, to we're well suited, Don. Is I, that what you're saying? <laughs> I'm saying that. Yeah, I am. Well, yeah. So we harvest them, bring them up to our granaries, and uh, that's what we work off of for the following year. Okay. And we do have partner growers that are, are growing grains for us. Same. Mm-hmm. They're good growers. They know how to put this crop up. And that's what we work off on a, a yearly basis. We'll get up to the granary here maybe in the next episode and show you how we keep these grains fresh. Yes. I want to get into the processing. I know I've been on a couple of tours of the granary. I found it really, really fun and interesting. So I guess we'll be doing that next. Yeah. Sounds good. Sounds good to me. All righty.